Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. (laughs) I want you to know when I preach, I hope you know this, when I preach, I try to look at every single face at some point in the sanctuary. So if it feels like I'm looking at you, I probably am. Right? But if you're close to somebody, maybe I'm looking at the one right next to you. But I always try to do that to identify with you and you with me uh, that we're both believers and we're both listening to God together. Right? Uh, We're both being fed. So today, um, one of the analogies in the Bible is about eagles and how God correlates his ministry with eagles. And so I want to share with that. I was, I was thinking about changing it just a minute ago and coming up and doing this tonight. But tonight I have a, a, a uh, hopefully, my 80-year-old Filipino pastor prayer partner, Izagani, is uh, Antonio, uh, is going to be here. I'm praying he is at 5 o'clock. He's, uh, he's preaching at Log Cabin Baptist Church right now. Uh, and I'm praying that uh, if they don't have a service to come here in the evening, I want you to meet them. Uh, we talk or text together every day. Uh, he is in Cambodia. That's where his ministry is. Uh, he's in the States right now because his daughter lives over at uh, Bellingham, uh, Massachusetts, and that's where I preached just not too long ago, a missions conference for them. Uh, so she is driving him over and then coming back. He goes back into the field and, uh, in November. But isn't it amazing, 80 years old, and he's still at it, full bore. He says, I have no reason. I said, are you going to retire? I have no reason to retire, he says. I'm going to die right here, right in Cambodia, in his church. So I hope you see him. He's about this tall. Yeah, and, uh, so, and he's a loving man. I love him to pieces. Anyways, Exodus 19, verse 1. In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai, for they were departed from Rephidim, and were come to the desert of Sinai, and had pitched in the wilderness, and there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, and saying, Thou shalt, thou shalt say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, how I, and here's the phrase, bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, keep my covenant, then you shall be a a peculiar treasure unto me above all the people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are uh, the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And I want you to notice these next verses. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, say it out loud with me, all that the Lord God has spoken, we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. Isn't that amazing? You just made a commitment there. You said it out loud. And I'm grateful for that, and I hope you mean it, what you just said, that it wasn't just a, repeat, a repetition of something said. 
right? He, it's amazing. All the people said and spoken, we will do it. All that the Lord has spoken, we will do it. Now, I want you to notice here in this scripture verse how God said, I brought you unto myself. So how did he bring them to himself? Well, according to the scriptures that are written, he said he did it in the same way that an eagle, right, brings eaglets to herself. So um, this is one of the greatest metaphors written in scripture that you're about, that you just read on eagle's wings. So the illustration God makes concerning himself is beyond comforting in the times and seasons that we are living in right now if we truly understand what he was saying. I have no idea what we'll be up against uh, in our Egypt of America right now in these coming months ahead. I have no idea. It seems like things right now are totally out of control politically. Uh, I have no idea what's going to happen physically, spiritually, I mean, we are in a mess right now, but what I do know is, is that those who are born again, those who are the children of Jesus Christ, right, he will bear us up on eagle's wings. In other words, he may swoop in like an eagle does and have to take his eagle out of the picture for a minute. I don't know what he'll do, but I know that he loves us. In other words, he'll bring us to himself during these times in the same way an eagle brings his eaglets to itself. So... I love this story. I love this analogy, and that's why I'm preaching it. When death strikes a loved one without notice, and it did just recently with, our, with Ross, notice he will bear you up. You know, so when, when attacks come to your family, he will bear you up, right? When you have to face sickness and suffering, he will bear you up. So the whole picture reveals the whole purpose of God and the reason for our existence. He loves us. He wants all of us to love him and to be as close to him as we possibly can be while we live in this life. He orchestrated uh, a, a plan that revolves around the truth. So he doesn't want to lose anyone. Doesn't want to lose anyone. I mean, I know this is kind of elementary, but this is the truth. Because there are such teachings out there that says he is willing to lose some. Not our God. Uh, he'll swoop in and bury up on eagles' wings. So the whole picture here reveals the whole purpose of God. It's our existence depends upon him. So the eagle's not willing that any of her eaglets fall to their death from her nest that is usually built up very, very high. How many of you have ever seen an eagle's nest? It's amazing, actually. If you go out uh, west, there's a, 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 a Montezuma's Refuge, I think it's called out there, there are eagles' nests all over the place out there because they have found refuge there. And it is amazing how high they build in the precarious uh, uh, places, but they're fortified, they're strong. So God is drawing us to himself. He's not willing that any of us of his creation fall to death because of their sin and neglect. Otherwise, that'd be a pretty selfish eagle. But I want you to hear me today. Time is getting short. And you could be just one fall away from ending it all, from destroying your life or your family or your losing your job or your health. I mean, just one breath away. You, uh, we may have gotten away with, your, uh, with our sins so far. You may have gotten away with your sins so far. But there will be a day coming. God will say it's over. Right? The invitation is now void. The offer is rescinded. No more second chances. No more mercy, 
And that's the day he decides to come for you. Right? Now, whether it's through death or through the rapture or the second, it doesn't matter. That's when it's over. You have no more chances after that. And if you don't get right with him right now before it's too late, it could be the last attempt God has given you to save you. And that might even be right now, this morning. Because nobody knows what happens once you walk out this door, uh, what will happen. So, for 2 Peter 3, 9, says, The Lord's not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Right? So, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, says in 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4, he says, Who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge, unto the knowledge of the truth. It's interesting to know here, really interesting to me, that the word ego here, and in many other places uh, that's found in the King James Bible, in many other versions of the Bible, now listen to me, this is, why, this is one of the reasons we're a King James church, it's referenced as vulture. Now think about what we just read. Let's put vulture in there in verse 4. Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians and how I bear you on vultures' wings and brought you unto myself. Do you hear how ludicrous that sounds? Why? Because we know what vultures look like, don't we? We know what they do. They're ugly, they're vicious, they're scavengers, right? And they're, oh man, they're just, a, they're just an awful looking bird. And by comparison, eagles are majestic, beautiful, conquering creatures. Uh, they are birds with power and prominence. In fact, Solomon said in the Proverbs, he said this, they were some, there are some things too wonderful for him to understand. Now remember, this is the, the man who God gave all wisdom to. He said there's some things just too wonderful to understand. One of those things was, was the eagle. Right? It was the way that she uh, soars and works the air to her advantage, to hunt and to conquer her prey. So God uses the eagle as a metaphor to show us a glimpse of himself and how he orchestrates and operates with power and precision and persuasion. So he would never use, somebody give me an amen here, he would never use a vulture to metaphor himself. Wow, just amazing, isn't it? The way of a vulture, the way the vulture lives, right, is a metaphor of Satan. Just does what he likes, he's lazy, he just uh, operates uh, on, uh, on dead carcasses and scavenges around, seeing who he can devour. Well, I've heard that before, haven't I? First, First Peter 5 eight, right? Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeing who he may devour. Devour. So what is Satan doing? He's looking for prey. That's what he's doing. He's looking for weak, helpless, vulnerable creatures that are just easy to destroy and devour, just like a vulture does. John 10.10 10 says this, The thief cometh not but to steal, but to steal, to kill, to destroy, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So, uh, so with that thought, laying the foundation here, turn over to uh, Deuteronomy 32. I'll give you a minute to get there. He makes the reference again. Deuteronomy 32. He makes the reference again. Verse 7. I'll give you a chance when I hear the pages stop. I'll start. Verse 7, remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father, and he will show thee. Thy elders, and they will tell thee when the Most High 
to the nations their inheritance. When he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. Right? He found him in a desert land and in, and in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. And there it is. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttering over, fluttering over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings, so the Lord alone did lead them, and there was no strange God with them. I want you to notice in verse 11, as the eagle, and then verse 12, so the Lord. So let me put a sentence together here, right? As the eagle does, so the Lord does. You all with me so far? So I'm going to attempt now to give you the eagle's perspective of the providence of God. Um, just give you how God and how, eagle, how the eagle works, and they're through observations, and then when I'm through with the observations, uh, we're going to do our Lord's Supper, right? So, and I'll give a little bit of intro to that when we get there. But there are observations to notice in the Bible about um, and in the life of an eagle on how, the, how these two, God and an eagle, uh, are alike and why he uses the eagle and is such a, it's just such an ordained bird. I mean, uh, my uh, uh, brother-in-law uh, who died of cancer at 32 years old, his job for the state was going around with the eagle. That's what he did. He held the eagle in the arm, took the school systems, took it to business. It was awesome. Got to be there a few times with him and watch him work with that big claws on his arm and everything else. It's too bad God took him home, but God bare him up on eagle's wings and took him home. And now he got saved just before he died, and now he's in heaven, right, and uh, celebrating his salvation with his Savior. Here's observation number one. Are you ready? The way the eagle builds a nest for her young is the way the Lord builds the lives of his children. Right? The way the eagle builds a nest for her young is the way the Lord builds the lives of his children. In Jeremiah 49, verse 16, Thy terribleness hath deceived thee, and the pride of thy heart, O thou that dwellest in the clefts, now listen, dwellest in the clefts of the rock that holdest the height of the hill, Though thou shouldest make thy nest as high as the eagle, right? So God is telling you he builds the nest high. Right now, I, write down, I wrote down here, do, do you have a little nest egg you're counting on someday? Right? I think most of us do. But you had better listen to this because <laughs> it's important, right? Eagles build their nest high. And they do it for two reasons. There's the reasons I have found out. First, they do so so they can overlook everything and not miss anything. Right? That's what an eagle is up. They've got very keen eyesight. I mean, they say they can pick a worm out of the ground from like 100 feet in the air. I mean, that's just amazing. So that's why they do it. And then secondly, they do so to better, uh, to better resist attacks. In other words, if you ever notice an eagle's nest, it's usually right on the top of the tree. It's not in the tree where something can get at it, it's on the top. Or it's on a cleft, or it's on an electrical tower, right? It's up there on the top where most people can't get to or most predators can't get to it. So the Bible tells us our God has set his bed upon a lofty and high mountain, according to Isaiah 57.7, like the eagle. 
Right? For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, Isaiah 57:15, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and the holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, and that's Jesus Christ, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. In other words, he's looking around to revive the spirit of the humble and to, and to, and to uh, revive the heart of the contrite ones, right? So he's looking. He wants to prove himself strong in his, uh, in his uh, eaglets or Christians. So the, Bible, the eagle builds their nest in the tallest trees on the loftiest mountain ledges. They are precarious positions. They really are. But they're fortified. They are, they're not vulnerable positions. And that's where our God is. Now here's where it gets real interesting. Eagles also build their nest putting a lot of thought and planning into the nest. Right? They put a lot of thought and planning into the nest. Uh, the eagle is sort of a renaissance bird. Right? Uh, she is wise. She's very uh, proficient in a wide range of fields. So you might say she knows her fields well. She knows how to build her nest to be the most effective for her eaglets. Now God is in the same way. He knows what to, how to build our lives to be most effective for him. So one who watches her, right, watches her construct her nest, finds that she lays down thorns, jagged stones, and all manner of sharp objects, which seem utterly incredible materials for, the, for a nest. But she lays those down first. Then she covers them quickly with feathers and with the fur of animals that she has killed. So the nesting place, now stay with me, thus becomes soft and comfortable, of the life of home for which she will hatch and rear up her eaglets in. But, because she's wise, she has planned ahead. She has planned um, uh, 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 their e eagle, her eaglets' departure already when she's making that nest. So the little creatures are not destined to remain in that cradle for very long. Uh, once they're ready, right, she meticulously and laboriously prepares for them by removing the feathers and the furs. And when the time comes the mother does that, she stirs up the nest. That's what it's called, stirring up the nest. And with her sharp talons, she'll begin to tear up the nest so that the sharp objects protrude again, right, like thorns into the flesh or prickers. So up to this time, these tiny creatures, what they did, they had food, they, had, they were delivered to them, dropped into their mouths, and the nest was comfortable. Then after that, the nest has been uh, stirred up. The eaglets become so irritated because it's not comfortable anymore that they're willing to depart. They're willing to go somewhere else. Now, stay with me on this. This is so important to us as Christians. This is her objective. This is also God's objective, right? It's not cruelty on her part, but rather an effort to produce maturity, to produce growth by discomforting their life of ease to get them to move out. In other words, they do this to whet their eaglets' appetites to want to move out and to want to move on. We should be raising our children, preparing them to leave the nest. Right? They're going to be out on their own. We don't want them to fall to the ground and fail. Right? That's what God does with us as his children. So they will never become what they were meant to become unless that mother stirs out that nest. Now, so Christians are not born for comfort. Are everybody with me? We're just not born for comfort. 
um, again, we'll use that little Joel Olstein thing. We're not born for those things, you know. Your best time now. It's, uh, and I, I, MacArthur just said recently, we don't win here. <laughs> we win there, right? So we're, here we're, we're, uh, we're like sheep that are, you know, out for the prey. And that we got to stay faithful to God. So Christians are not born for comfort. They were born to go, and go means don't stay. So believers often spend their time building their nest in this world. Put that little nest egg there, right? And like, it's almost like God says, I don't, I don't really like you doing that. I, I need to ruffle up your feathers a little bit. When faith challenges your comforts, man, that's when God's in the work of it. So we're born. Let me give you just a couple things here, just subtitles. We're born to occupy. That's what my Bible reads. We're born to occupy. What does that mean? Well, occupy means labor. Hard work. We're born to work. Laboring for Jesus is in our DNA. That's what we're supposed to do. It's not supposed to be we're saved and lay back and just rest until he comes for us. We're supposed to get at it. We're supposed to be working. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, right? But for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life. John 6, 27. 1 Timothy 4, 10. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God. Who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. So we, it's, a, it's, an, occupa it's an occupation, right? It's also an occupation of love. It's an occupation of occupying. It's an occupation also of love. Right? Colossians 1, 27 through 29 says, To whom God uh, would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. I don't know what, uh, how we confuse that every man to just some people. Every man, whereunto I also labor, he says, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. 1 Thessalonians 1.3 says, remembering without ceasing your work of faith. It's a labor, right? And labor of love, that's what it says. Work of faith, labor of love. And patience of hope in your Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God our Father. Why does he have patience? Because we're not where we're supposed to be yet. Right? So have patience. He's coming, but get to work until he comes. And it's also occupation with rewards. Right? Hebrews 6.10, For God is not, is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed towards his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do ministry. He doesn't forget about your work. 1 Corinthians 15.58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Right? Be unmovable, always abounding in the work of God. Right? For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It's also an occupation with acceptance. Right? 2 Corinthians 5.9 Wherefore we labor that whether we're present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Nay, and, and then we all, so we, we're born to occupy, we're born to conquer. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Right? We're also born, and this is the one that's hard for us, we're born to sojourn. Do you all understand that you're sojourners? That's what you are. You're not supposed to be just sitting down comfortable. 
right? You're a sojourner, right? First Peter 1.17 tells us that. And if, you're, and if you call on the Father whom without respect to persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. Again, go, don't stay. Get out of that comfort zone. Do what he's asked you to do. We were born to fly new heights and reach the unreached areas for Jesus Christ. Like an eaglet when she learns to fly. So we're not born to stay put. The nest of the world is not our home, and that's why it's prickly. And that's why it just forces us out into do the things we need to do. It's, it's our only temporary growing ground. That's all it is where we are now. And the eaglet was not born to stay in the nest, just like we're not born to stay in the nest. Our home is coming. And as an eaglet breaks up the nest, so the Lord, at different points of our life, what does he do? He just breaks up our lives. There's always something coming our way that breaks things up, isn't it? Like, oh, I didn't know this was going to happen. But I have to get through it. There's always a breaking up before there's a building or there's a blessing. So God is always stretching us. He's always enlarging us. It brings us closer to him. It's a very effective tool to build faith and help us leave the comforts of this world for the cause of Christ. Just those little prods, those little thorns, right? This world is not our home, and it's certainly not the home to get comfortable in. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Hebrews 13, 14, Philippians 2, 3, 20. For our conversation is in heaven. That means our life is there. It's in heaven. From whence also we look to for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I like James 4, 4, who learned the hard way and later, whosoever therefore be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. It's just an enemy of God. Now I could go on with 1 John 2, 15 through 17. You can look that up for yourself. But here's the second observation. As the eagle bears up her young, the Lord bears up his children. This is my favorite part of this message, by the way. So I get a little excited about this. And be, it's okay, all right? Hope you're all right with this. It says in 30, 30, Deuteronomy 32, 11, As the eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, and beareth them on her wings. That's an incredible thought. Beareth them on her wings. I, I, if I've got this correct, and I think I do, I did a little research, when an eagle wants to teach their little ones to fly from the nest that's hundreds of, hundreds of feet off the ground, she prods them out of the nest with her beak. And then they begin to fall. As they get falls, the mother flies underneath, puts her wing out, catches the little one on his back, and then flies higher, turns sideways and drops her again, or him or her, whatever the bird is, and lets it fall again. Right? And she does it over and over again, on bringing her up on wings a little higher, letting her fall a little deeper, sometimes to win about 100 foot of the ground, right, that she'll have to swoop in if the eagle hasn't started to fly by that particular point. So little by little, the eaglet will learn how to fly. And the eagle knows when the eaglet is too tired, she also knows that, when she's had too much, right? There's no temptation taken. I don't, we don't have to go there, right? He knows, right? And then uh, the eaglet back into the nest, noses, brings her back into the nest, that eaglet, and then pushes the next eaglet out, right? And then works with that eaglet. Like parenting, really. So, in the same way, God teaches us to live by faith in Him. And that eagle has to depend upon that bird 
swooping in and bearing them up when they, when they need them. And, and he's always, that eagle, eagle's always faithful. And God is always faithful. He often has to break our fears by allowing us to take deep falls. Right? And then he catches us and takes us to new heights like we've never seen before. Just higher, yeah. At some point we think we've learned a lesson and God won't have to do that anymore with us, but God won't have that. Right? It doesn't work that way. And the, he can't build faith unless he keeps doing it. So he teaches us to exercise faith in him beyond what we are capable of doing by continuing the same process until one day he takes us home permanently in our eternal nest in heaven. So foolish was I, the psalmist says, and ignorant. I was a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. And afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth. But God is the strength of my heart and my position forever, or my portion forever. All right, so here's the next observation. The way the eagle broods over her young is the same way the Lord broods over his children. He's not ashamed to call you his God. And he doesn't want you ashamed of him for you to call him your God. You know, back to our text in Exodus 19.5, it says, Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then will ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me and above all people for all thine all the earth is mine. Here's to brood over simply means to incubate or to uh, cover. You could also take it further to meditate on or to hover over. Or you could say to sit quietly and thoughtfully on, to think about. You ever wonder what's going through an eagle's mind as she sits on the, the eggs? I mean, you've got to sit there. Any bird that has a set on eggs, they've got to sit on there for hours. What goes through their mind? They're probably thinking about what's the next step they got to do and about the food they got to get. So to brood over, right, um, just means she's got an eagle eye on them and she's, and she's not ashamed of them. She's, that's her children. She never misses a thing. She's always doing what's best for her children. She would do everything to protect them, including giving up her own life. It's not unlike an eagle to fly in if a predator gets up to that nest and give her life trying to take the fox down, right? That's just the way they are. That's the way our God is. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Psalm 139, 17 through 18 says, Now uh, how precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God, how great is the sum of them. If, if I should count them, they are, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. You see, because the eagle is always preparing and making over her young. She's brooding over them. Just like, a, my, I'm, a, I'm a grandparent. Does everybody understand that? When I wasn't, I was brooding over my four kids. Well, they took a back burner now. Now I'm brooding over my grandkids. You know, I got a lot of them. And I just, I get over them and I'm proud of them. And I, I know they're trying to do their best and, so an eagle's always preparing and making over their young. She is always prodding her young to new heights, making plans to achieve 
greater goals. And God is always thinking about us in the same way, prodding us, preparing us for new heights and new goals, new dreams. This is how he proves his great love for us. Do you know it's said that there is not one recorded time in history where an eagle has abandoned her young? It's also said when bearing up her young in, in new flight, there's not one recorded time they've ever recorded anyways that an eagle has dropped her young to death. <laughs> Another nail in the Calvinistic theory. Did you know when you hurt, God hurts? He hurts right along with you. You're never alone. He feels your pain. He's always watching over your soul. I can say that honestly as a parent, and I'm, pr I'm pretty sure every parent can hear and say that. When you see your children hurt, you hurt. You can literally feel their pain. I mean, they don't know that. They don't understand that. As a child, God, there, as a child of God, there's never a time when you, he's forgotten you. There's never a time he has forsaken you. I remember Gideon. Remember when Gideon was facing those Midianites in Judges 6, the, the angel said to Gideon, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Remember that statement? I don't know if you know this, but Gideon's reply got God's attention. It wasn't the angel that spoke after that. It was actually God himself. And Gideon's reply is often our reply. Oh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this stuff happening to me? Isn't that the truth? Well, if God is my Savior, why am I going through all this pain? And why am I going through all this stuff, right? And then God says, pushes that angel aside. <laughs> says, I'll answer this for myself. Right? If you're telling me the Lord is with me, then why all this happening? Well, God's response responses, have not I sent thee? I mean, he doesn't have to say anything more than that. Didn't I send thee? Right? So what are you worried about? You know, what, what's all the fuss about? Right? You're mine. Which brings me to the last point. And then we'll get to communion. Observation one. The way the eagle builds a nest for her young is the way the Lord builds a nest for his children. Observation two, the eagle bears up her young the, the way the Lord bears up his children. Observation number three, the way the eagle broods over her young the same way the Lord broods over his children. Finally, observation number four, the way the eagle broadens their eaglet's abilities is the same way the Lord broadens our abilities. We have to go to Isaiah 40, verse 31 for this. But he says this in that, this most iconic verse. He says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God has never lost or failed any one of his children. I want to tell you right now, what's Russ's last name that just died? Caldwell, he's running around right now. I mean, he's, he's jumping for joy. He's having a good old time up there. God never forsook him or forgot him, right? Even though he couldn't do anything for himself these last couple of years. 2 Corinthians 1.20, For all the promises of God 
in him are yea and in him amen unto the glory of God by us. May I just say amen to that? Hallelujah. You know, when Curtis Hudson, and I close with this and we get... When Curtis Hudson, and I, th I think most of you are familiar with him, uh, he got cancer. He died at a fairly young age. He was the editor of the Sword of the Lord when he died, but he did pastor a church, and he was an evangelist. He went around. They say he's one of the best soul winners that ever lived. Um, never met him. I did meet his son, Tony Hudson. Uh, I met him out in California one time, and I was amazed how big he is. I, I stood next to him. He's like this big. He's wide. This guy's a massive man. But Curtis is just a normal man. But when he was dying, in his last days, a young man uh, who had a daughter who was on the verge of death came to him and said this. He said, Dr. Hudson, when you get to heaven, I want you to speak to Jesus and ask him to heal my daughter. Now, Dr. Hudson's response is just, I want to tell you, from that frail, weak body full of cancer, it was just a precious response. He said this, Son, I, I know that you are grieving and that you're suffering, but I'm not going to do that because I don't have to do that. Here's what he said. When I get to heaven, I will have no more access to Jesus Christ than you have right now by faith. When we get to heaven, we will have more ability than we have right we will have no more ability than we have right now to triumph for Jesus. Do you understand that? We're not going to get any more ability than we have right now. And it's time to spread our wings. It's time for Lighthouse to spread its wings. Uh, we may have gotten a little bit too comfortable. And it's time to get out there and fly to new heights, right? It's time to spread our wings where where we can just Find out where God wants us to go and go there. I, I love Psalm 92.4. So for thou, O Lord, has made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. And when, ha, uh, when you have Jesus Christ, you have all of God right now, everything you need to triumph for him. But the question is, does he have all of you to triumph with? Does he have all of you to triumph with? Because he's, he, he's going to prod. He's prodding. You know he is. Right? He's got, he wants to get as much out of you as he can while you're here because your rest is coming. Your rest is coming. So here's, here's the prayer before communion. I'm going to say it once. I'm going to ask you to say it with me, and then I'm going to ask the, the guys to come forward. Right? Lord, you gave me your wings to fly on. You gave, uh, you gave me your winds to ride on and you gave me your words to rely on. Make me triumphant for you. You ready? You don't have to say it. I wish you would. But more importantly, I wish you'd mean it. Lord, you gave me your wings to fly on you gave me your winds to ride on and you gave me your words to rely on. All together, make me triumphant for you. Oh, Father, thank you. Help us, Lord. Take us to new heights. Stir up the nest a little bit.
we gotta we gotta reach out, Lord. There's just so many, so much talent in this church, and so many people to reach with that talent. And I trust you'll help us, Lord. And maybe that would be one of our requests in the silence period of the communion plate, the Lord's Supper, which we're about to partake. That we'd ask for forgiveness for not being more involved. And then make a commitment to say, use me. And we'll thank you for this. In Jesus' name. We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.